0: This is Spacetime Series 25, Episode 23, for broadcast on the 23rd of February 2022. Coming up on Spacetime, a new study shows Earth's water was around before the formation of the planet itself, science activities suspended on Mars due to a major dust storm, and NASA's Parker Solar Probe takes its first visible light images of the surface of the planet Venus. All that and more coming up, on spacetime Welcome to Spacetime with Stuart Gary A new study has concluded that Earth's water was already present in that part of the solar system when the planet first formed The findings, reported in the journal Nature Astronomy, are based on new studies of the isotopic content of meteorites. Planets are formed in protoplanetary disks of gas and dust around protostars. As the hot gas cools and condenses, it coalesces to form planets. One of the big debates in planetary science has been whether Earth's water gathered from the surrounding material as the planet formed or whether it arrived later from further out in the solar system, coming by way of comets and asteroids. Now, comets have already been ruled out, as their water tends to have a different deuterium-to-hydrogen ratio compared to that found on Earth. Deuterium is a heavy isotope of hydrogen containing a neutron. And studies have also shown that asteroids originating from the outer solar system can also be ruled out for the same reason. The deuterium-to-hydrogen ratio isn't the same as that on Earth. The basic rule of thumb being the deuterium-to-hydrogen ratio changes the further away from the Sun the water originated. Scientists want to know about where Earth's water came from because it's key to understanding that all-important question of where life originated, how we got to be here. The simple fact is, here on Earth at least, wherever you find water in a liquid state, you'll also find life. So to understand how life emerged, scientists investigate the chemistry of carbon and water. This new study tracked the hydrogen and oxygen isotopic composition of water back to the start of the solar system 4.6 billion years ago, in the inner regions, where the Earth and other terrestrial worlds were formed. To do this, the authors analysed one of the solar system's oldest meteorites using an innovative new method specifically developed for this study. And the data shows that two gas reservoirs existed during the first 200,000 years of the solar system's existence. That's a time before the earliest planetary embryos formed. One of these reservoirs consisted of the solar gas, that is, the protoplanetary disk itself, in which all the matter in our solar system originated and scientists were able to directly measure these levels in the meteorite for the first time. However, they found a second gas reservoir was enriched with water vapour with the same isotopic signature as Earth's water. And the authors claim that this second reservoir was created by a massive influx of interstellar water in the hot internal regions of the solar system upon the collapse of the interstellar envelope and the formation of the protoplanetary disk. The early existence of this gas with Earth-like isotopic composition implies that Earth's water was already there long before the accretion of the first constituent materials which would eventually lead to the formation of the planet. This is space-time. Still to come. Science suspended on the red planet Mars due to dust storms and NASA's Parker Solar Probe takes its first visible light images of the surface of the planet Venus. All that and more still to come on Spacetime. Okay, let's take a break from our show for a word from our sponsor, NordVPN. NordVPN is the virtual private network we use and one we can highly recommend. Now, like me, you wanna be able to use the internet without having to worry about your privacy. After all, the last thing you want is some stranger prying on what your kids are up to. I'm often surprised by friends who don't seem to know that when you visit a website, your computer is broadcasting information about you. This includes the type of device you're using, what browser you have, your IP address, and much more. Now, fortunately, there is an affordable solution. A solution that encrypts your traffic so no one can see which websites you're visiting or track your activity. And they have a strict no-logs policy, so your data can't be stored or shared with a third party. And you can secure all your devices with the one account. And NordVPN works on all popular platforms, including Windows, Mac OS, Linux, Android, and iOS. And you can secure up to six devices with a single account, including your router. And as a space-time listener, we have a special deal for you. You can grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash StuartGarry or use the code StuartGarry. That way you'll get a huge discount off your NordVPN two-year plan. You'll also get one additional month for free and a bonus gift. And if you decide not to continue using NordVPN, that's cool because it comes with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So what have you got to lose? Now, once again, that URL to grab the special Spacetime offer is nordvpn.com forward slash Gary, or just type the code Stuart Gary at the checkout to get our great price and bonuses. And of course, at the same time, you'll be helping to support our show. And of course, we'll include all those details in the show notes and on our website. And now it's back to our show. This is Spacetime with Stuart Gary. Science operations on the red planet Mars have been hampered in recent weeks by a huge regional dust storm. The dust is blocking out sunlight needed to power the solar arrays of spacecraft on the Martian surface. NASA's InSight lander, which has been studying the planet's internal structure, has already been placed into safe mode in order to conserve battery power at its Elysium Planitia base until the dust settles. Meanwhile, NASA's Mars Ingenuity Helicopter, which is in Jezero Crater working with the Perseverance rover, has also been grounded until conditions improve. In the case of Ingenuity, not only does the dust-affected solar arrays, which are needed to power its rotor blades, but the suspended dust particles in the Martian atmosphere cause the air to absorb more heat and therefore become less dense, and that makes flying more difficult for the tiny rotocopter. This report from NASA TV.
1: January 2022, a dust storm nearly twice the size of the United States blankets Mars's southern hemisphere, reducing sunlight and uniting NASA's spacecraft to help one another through the storm. The dust rolled in, obscuring the horizon. In the storm's path was NASA's InSight lander, which had to stop its science work after dust prevented sunlight from reaching the solar panels. InSight hunkered down for 11 days to conserve battery power, but didn't weather the storm alone. A fleet of NASA orbiters monitor dust storms from above and serves as a lifeline to Earth, relaying data from Mars's explorers back to the team. Dust storms like this recent one start close to the ground and are spread by wind as they rise, warming the cold Martian atmosphere. Storms are first detected by MRO's Mars Color Imager, or MARSI, which produces a daily global weather map. As dust rises in the atmosphere, MRO's Mars Climate Sounder instrument measures temperature to determine how fast the storm could spread. MAVEN studies the upper atmosphere, including how dust affects the escape of water and other gases from the atmosphere. And for 20 years, Odyssey's Thermal Emission Imaging System, or THEMIS, has helped measure global dust activity over time. The orbiter sends most of InSight's data to Earth, but as Odyssey went to check in on InSight, it experienced a software issue. The Odyssey team swung into action, recovering quickly so engineers could send new instructions to InSight. The dust even grounded NASA's Ingenuity Mars helicopter, postponing flights until conditions improved. Dust storms form during all Martian seasons. Some can balloon in a matter of days, like the 2018 Global Dust Storm, which led to the end of NASA's Opportunity Rover. Despite the challenges dust creates for spacecraft, studying storms is critical for creating future weather forecasts and preparing for a potential human mission to Mars. This is
0: space time, still to come. NASA's Parker Solar Probe takes its first visible light images of the surface of Venus. And later in the science report, researchers at MIT have developed a new transparent biodegradable adhesive dressing which can be used to quickly seal internal injuries. All that and more still to come on space time. NASA's Parker Solar Probe has taken its first light images of the surface of Venus from space. Smothered in thick clouds, Venus's surface is usually shrouded from sight. But in two recent flybys of the planet, Parker has used its wide-field imager, or whisper, to view the entire night side of the planet in wavelengths of the visible spectrum, the type of light that the human eye can see, and extending that view into the near-infrared. The images, which have been combined into a video which you'll find on our Tumblr blog, reveal a faint glow from the surface that shows distinctive features like continental regions, plains, and plateaus. A luminescent halo of oxygen in the atmosphere can also be seen surrounding the planet. These fascinating images of a planet often referred to as Earth's sister can help scientists learn more about the Venusian surface geology, what minerals might be present there, and as a result, help explain the planet's evolution. Given the similarities and differences between Earth and Venus, this information will help scientists in the quest to try and understand why Venus has become so inhospitable while the Earth has become such an oasis for life. The study's lead author Brian Wood from the U.S. Naval Research Laboratory in Washington, D.C., says Venus is the brightest celestial object in the sky other than the Sun and Moon. But until recently, scientists haven't had much information on what the surface really looked like. That's because our view of Venus is blocked by the planet's thick atmosphere and clouds. The first whisper images of Venus were taken back in July 2020 as the Parker Solar Probe embarked on its third flyby of the planet. Parker uses these gravity-assist flybys in order to bend its own orbit in order to get it closer to the sun. Whisper was designed to see faint features in the solar atmosphere and wind, and some scientists thought they may also be able to use Whisper to image the cloud top shrouding Venus as Parker passed the planet. The objective was to measure the speed of the clouds. But instead of just seeing the clouds, Whisper also saw through them down to the surface of the planet. The images were so striking that scientists turned the cameras on again during the fourth flyby in February last year. Clouds obstruct most of the visible light coming from the Venusian surface. But the very longest visible wavelengths, which border on the near-infrared, manage to make it through. On the day side, this red light gets lost amid the bright sunshine reflecting off Venus's cloud tops. But in the darkness of the night, the Whisper cameras were able to pick up the faint glow caused by the incredible heat radiating off the Venusian surface. See, the surface of Venus, even on the night side, is still around 460 degrees Celsius. So hot, the planet's rocky surface visibly glows like a piece of iron put in a forge. As it flew by Venus, the Whisper instrument picked up a range of wavelengths from 470 through to 800 nanometers. Back in 1975, the Russian Venera 9 lander gave scientists their first tantalizing glimpses of the Venusian surface, but the intense heat and crushing pressures quickly destroyed the spacecraft. Since then, Venus's surface has been revealed further through radar and infrared instruments, which can peer through the thick clouds using wavelengths of light invisible to the human eye. NASA's Magellan mission used radar to create the first maps of Venus back in the 1990s, and JAXA's Akatsuki spacecraft gathered infrared images around Venus after reaching orbit there in 2016. The new images from Parker add to these findings by extending these observations into the red wavelengths at the edge of what the human eye can see. The whisper images are showing features in the Venusian surface, including the continental region Aphrodite Terra, the Telus plateau, and the Anoplanetia Plains. Since higher-altitude regions are about 30 degrees cooler than lower areas, they tend to show up as darker patches amongst the brighter lowlands. And these same features were also seen in previous radar images taken by Magellan. Beyond simply looking at the surface features, the new whisper images will help scientists better understand the geology and mineral makeup of Venus. See, when heated, different minerals glow at different temperatures, and so they each emit their own unique wavelengths. By combining the new images with previous ones, scientists now have a wider range of wavelengths to study, and that will help them identify which minerals are where on the surface of the planet. In fact, similar techniques were used to study the surface of the moon. By knowing the surface geology, scientists can better understand Venus's evolution. See, the problem is Venus and the Earth are almost the same size. They were formed at the same time in the same part of the solar system and out of the same material. So, why has Venus turned out so different? Scientists suspect volcanisms played a major role in creating the dense Venusian atmosphere, but a lot more data is needed to understand exactly how. And the new Whisper images may provide clues about how volcanoes have been affecting the planet's atmosphere. In addition to the surface glow, the new images are also showing a bright ring around the edge of the planet caused by oxygen atoms emitting light in the atmosphere. This is called airglow. It's a type of light also present in Earth's atmosphere, where it's visible from space and sometimes also from the ground at night. While Parker Solar Probe's primary goal is solar science, the Venusian flybys are providing exciting opportunities for bonus data that wasn't expected at the mission's launch. Whispers also imaged Venus's orbital dust ring, a donut-shaped track of microscopic particles strewn in the wake of Venus's orbit around the Sun. And another instrument, called the Fields Instrument on Parker, has made direct measurements of radio waves in the Venusian atmosphere, helping scientists understand how the upper atmosphere changes during the Sun's 11-year solar cycle. Back in December 2021, researchers published new findings about the rediscovery of a comet-like tail of plasma streaming up behind Venus, and which has been called a tail ray. The new result showed that this tell of particles is extending some 8,000 kilometres out from the Venusian atmosphere. This tell could be how Venus's water escaped from the planet, contributing to its currently dry and inhospitable environment. While the geometry of the next two flybys won't allow Parker to image the planet's nightside, scientists will continue to use Parker's other instruments to study Venus's space environment. And in December 2024, the spacecraft will have a final chance to image the surface of Venus during what will be its seventh and last flyby. This is Space Time. And time now to take another brief look at some of the other stories making news insights this week with a science report. A new study of nearly 26,000 US veterans who've received two doses of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 viral vaccine have found that those who received either a Pfizer or Moderna mRNA booster have cut their chances of subsequent COVID-19 infection by half, compared to those whose booster was the third Johnson & Johnson jab. Findings reported in the New England Journal of Medicine also showed that having an mRNA booster after also having an mRNA for their first two doses didn't change their chances of catching COVID-19. Almost 5.9 million people have now been killed by the COVID-19 coronavirus since it first spread out of Wuhan, China. However, the World Health Organization says the true death toll is likely to be at least double that amount, with some 420 million confirmed cases globally. New research claims that circular currents of water up to hundreds of kilometers wide, which are known as ocean eddies, may help dampen down La Nina and El Nino climate events, making them less extreme. The findings reported in the journal Nature Geoscience show that these eddies which occur around the equator can also help cool the ocean during an El Niño event and warm it during a La Niña by changing the way heat moves between the surface and subsurface of the ocean. The study's authors say this dampening effect has been missing in the majority of -of state-of-the-art climate models, which tend to overestimate the severity of El Niño and La Niña events. Scientists have invented a transparent, degradable adhesive dressing inspired by duct tape, which can be used to quickly seal internal injuries. The discovery by researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, could help surgeons in procedures such as resecting bowels during gastrointestinal surgery, where stitches are currently used to help heal wounds but these stitches are often imperfect and result in leaking, allowing bacteria from the gut to escape into nearby tissues causing infection. While adhesive wound dressings are common on the skin, the wet environments inside the human body have made them unviable, so doctors have had to rely on sutures and staples instead. A report in the journal Transitional Medicine says the new dressings provide a flexible adhesive hydrogel patch which can be used in difficult surface topography. The dressing also spreads out pressure around the wound, which is important as some wounds are weak for several days before they eventually heal. World Computer Day has rolled around for another year. The day marks the date in 1946 that ENIAC, the Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer, the world's first programmable general-purpose digital computer, was formally dedicated at the University of Pennsylvania. It actually began operations the previous year. This year's celebrations have focused on the MOS 6502, the silicon chip that's made much of today's technology possible. Its low price and high power enticed Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, as well as others, to build their empires around it. With the details, we're joined by technology editor Alex Sahara of Reut from ITY.com. Yeah, well, it's covered in
2: 2021, celebrating the 75th anniversary of the ENIAC, which was the world's first all electronic programmable computer. Now, uh, that wasn't the days of computers taking entire rooms. They certainly didn't fit in your pocket the way today's smartphone does, which is vastly more fast. There was a World Computer Literacy Day. Apparently, there's a World Computer Programmers Day, but there was no World Computer Day. And there's a day for everything else from, you know, eating donuts to, to Valentine's Day to, you know, Christmas, every, all sorts of days. There's, there's, there's 1,500 national days in the US <laughs> out of the 365 days. So many days have multiple events. The World Computer Day this year, the Seminal 6502 chip was being celebrated. And this was created by Moz Technologies and they created uh, the 6502 chip with Bill Mensch, one of the co-creators. What made
0: this chip so special? How was it a game changer?
2: Well, the 6i was a game changer because it was included in the original Apple One and then the Apple II family, the Commodore 64, the Atari 2600, Nintendo Entertainment System, the BBC Micro, get the Atari Lynx handheld game. And it was, it powered the most game changing computers of the era. Its competition was the Z80, and I had an XC Sorcerer and a random Z80, but I had an Apple II as well. It sort of Fine. gave
0: us the world the way we see it today, didn't it? It
2: was. The uh, beginning of being able to have real-time operating systems yeah. with a processor that was the godfather of the uh, later ARM processor technology that is in today's Apple iPhones. I mean, it, it preceded that, but it sort of laid the foundation. The chip is still sold today. Uh, you can still buy it. People still use it in industrial applications. It meant to be a microcontroller, and it became this computer CPU, and the
0: chip was improved. It certainly changed the world.
2: It absolutely changed the world. It was the processor that changed the world. It's big competitor at the time was the Z80. That wasn't a was, was TRS-80. Uh, the Micro B, I think, the uh, x Sorcerer, which I had in 1979. So there was big competition at the time. This was before the days of uh, the Intel processors really taking off and the Motorola 6800 processors that powered all of the Apple Macs.
0: The festivities are spread over a whole week.
2: Well, that's right. Well, we kicked off, or well, the event was kicked off on February the 10th in the U.S. Bill Mensch, Jim Scherer, the uh, founder and president of the Museum, a computer museum, and uh, based in Philadelphia, where the ENIAC was made. The day itself, had that three-hour discussion with Bill to share another uh, presenters reminiscing about the, the times, and it was a wonderful. I was part of that discussion as well, and it's all recorded in full. So you just go to vit.ly forward slash World Computer Day. World Computer Day, we'll what, what sort of continue doing, and already the organisation is thinking about what could be next for 2023. It could look at the success of the Z80 chip as a competitor and where it ended up as the historical thing continues. There's plenty of other directions that World Computer Day can go in
0: the future. When you think about the great WAS and uh, Steve Jobs and people like that, what springs in your mind?
2: Well, there were some great stories that were shared, I think, across both meetings that mentioned WAS or Jobs in that sort of original time frame of buying that processor, which are fascinating stories you won't get to hear otherwise. But, you know, I don't think that straight from people who were there and um but yeah just i mean was his uh, the ability to create the technology uh, and jobs is obviously obvious ability to capitalize on that and turn it into a very successful business. But he that's it into right. Yeah.
0: People want. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's right. Well, the we two of them together, you know, one plus one equals one. In this to the power case, of 11, thousand, not I two. I mean.
0: <laughs> That's
2: right. It was a uh, it was a wonderful pairing. And the, its legacy is, is the brightest on planet Earth. I'd say, technologically.
0: Now, I believe the mystery of the uh, the numbers on the original motherboards for the Apple One has been solved. Tell me about it.
2: Yes. Well, Akim Bache of the Apple One Registry, which is AppleOneRegistry.com, and he has found that through forensic analysis of handwriting samples, and just analysing the different handwriting samples of different people at the time, that this handwriting was actually Steve Jobs' handwriting, and uh, there's a letter of this authenticity from a what appears to be a respected and well-known authenticity company that authenticates the provenance of these sorts of items, all sorts of items, and um, that theoretically instantly, you know, in, in theory doubles double the value of those particular models because they are Steve Jobs handwriting on the back of them now. Because we've got no idea what they go for. Wikipedia: the last, the most recent Apple One motherboard was sold for five hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand dollars wow. for the board itself, and hundred thousand dollars in fees, just in fees. Right? But on eBay right and you've now, and you still got you to buy your
0: own keyboard and cabinet housing and all that's that. right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you just find the motherboard right. on eBay, there is somebody selling a. Uh, I think it looks like I think it's a complete unit you know, with the case and the and the screen. You can have a look there anyway, but it, it's not eBay. It's One point five. Million dollars US is the asking price, and it's said to be working. And yeah, but uh, in theory, if that's one of the boards that has the uh, hand running on the back, then um, essentially just gone up in value. Even more <laughs> overnight because of this announcement from World Computer Day. And uh, there was joking in the uh, video that oh, I know, some people might try and write the numbers on the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone's yeah, going to do it out, yeah. Sort of, yeah, yeah. But they say, oh, no, well, ways of authenticating it. And also, these numbers were well known. A team that runs the registry has got photographs of all of these boards already and all the details, are all, even my new details, like what the details were on the actual chips themselves.
0: That's Alex Zaharovroit from ITY.com.